I would tell teens, you do not need to be anything other than yourself for a guy to like you. I tell adults that now. Yes, yes. Welcome to Sweat the Technique, a podcast all about how we get better, faster. I'm Ravi Gupta, and I am joined by Stacey Shells Harvey. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So Stacy, you are a co-host of this show. This is your first appearance and you and I are, are both former school principals. We knew each other in the trenches and then uh, we both became superintendents roughly the same time school networks, me down in Tennessee and Mississippi and you in Chicago and now Chicago and Ohio. You also were school principal in upstate New York, and you have a lot to say about just life in general. You are a parent. You are in a marriage. <laughs> you are somebody who knows more about pop culture than anybody I know. So I just, I think our audience is going to love you. And I would say you're you're a bit more irreverent than, let's say, our good buddy, Doug Lamov. So I think people are going to be introduced to some different mm. styles on this podcast. I agree. And you and Doug used to work together, right? Yeah. Doug was my boss, one of the best bosses that I've actually, like, the best boss I've ever had. And we opened schools in Rochester together, and I learned so much from him. And I am forever grateful. I call him Dougie Fresh. He's my brother from another mother. My mom still asks about him to this very day. I just would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those early interactions <laughs> as you two truly got to know each other. Because I think by disposition, I think you you wind up believing a lot of the same things about schools. But I would think by disposition, you you are two people who come at the world with different energy. I would say, <laughs> you know what, we came education with the same energy. We had the same belief systems when it came to what schools should look and feel like, and. We had the same energy when it came to just believing that all children could succeed and that if we looked at data the right way, we could close the gaps. And if we found the right people who believed as well. And so he had extremely high expectations and high beliefs in kids. And so did I. And I think that that was where the synergy met. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. So how many schools you're running, how many kids you got. You're somebody who does it with finesse, I would say. Um, you always seem like it looks easy to you, even though I know it's not easy to you because you and I talk every Friday about how hard <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, what? tell us about your network. Well, Regeneration Schools, it's a network in the Midwest. So we have three campuses, six schools in Chicago. We have our flagship school in Cincinnati, which is Regen Bonhill, where I'm sitting right now. And by the fall, this upcoming fall of 23, we will have two elementary schools and our first middle school here. So we'll have nine schools, approximately 2,000 kids. And we're just really excited for, you know, the pathway to growth in Ohio. Well, okay. Before we get to our guest today, who you interviewed, I did not interview, but I wanted to make sure I came on to make sure the audience knew you. And if you're listening, this is a new podcast and it's growing really fast. And what I want you to know is it's really important. We deliver this to you for free. We don't even bother you with advertising right now. The one thing you could do for us, if you like what you hear is to go on and rate, review and subscribe to our show, wherever you get your podcasts and share it with people in your life. So if you have a blog or you have Twitter, you have Instagram, you have Meta, Facebook, whatever we call that thing, share it. Share what you like here. It's really important to us. Say nice things because that's how we grow. That's how we spread the gospel. But Stacey, tell us about our guest today. So our guest today, her name is Alex Brooks. Uh, her tag name is Passport Cuddy. She is a social media influencer. She's an author. She's a real talent and she focuses on on relationships 
So she's a book called The M in Man Stands for Money, where she really empowers women to believe in themselves. It's not just for gold diggers. It's for people. (laughs) (laughs) It's for people to know their worth and to present themselves up front with their values, not to pretend. And I met her about 10, 12 years ago, literally online on Twitter. She sold 50,000 copies of this book. She's had two sold out book tours. She has created games from a game on Zodiacs, games called like You Tried It. And the difference between her and I would say other people is there are some social media people that have like 3 million followers, but then they try to sell a t-shirt, they can't sell 35. She's literally self-published, sold 50,000 books, sold over 10,000 pieces of merchandise. She's got a live that she does every morning that feeds Cuddy Calls. So she's almost like the unconventional life coach. So you could also do a call with her later on to get advice on relationships and dating or just anything that you want to talk about. And I remember when she went back to college to get her degree because she wanted to be a writer. And then when she quit her daytime job because she wanted to do this full-time. So she literally just got back from the Grammys. The Hip Hop Awards (laughs) send her a package so that she promotes it on her Instagram channel. She knows how to influence the outcomes. And that's the difference between having a bunch of followers and being an influencer. Yeah. She's an example of, you know, they call it the 1000 true fans. Like the way to be truly successful in this disaggregated digital world is to not have a gazillion fans that are loose followers, but have like those true fans, those thousand true fans. And she's somebody I think about who does that so well. And you two talk about a lot of subjects, but in particular, you talk about this social media environment yes. we're in and how we handle this as parents, as people, as spouses, right? Like, how do you take this thing that I know some of us would like to change? We'd love to go back to the good old days, but how do we take this thing and actually become a master of the game as opposed to somebody who's a follower of it. Is that a good summation of what you two talk about today? It is. And I felt that who better than someone who influences on social media to help educators and help parents understand how to navigate it with your kids, how to think about it, how to prepare your kids for the main thing, which is relationships. Kids get in fights on social media and it's always the deterioration of a relationship. And because she focuses on social media and relationships, I thought that she could help give educators and parents a bird eye view of how to develop a child with the resilience to go into that and come out whole. So let's just get right into it. Awesome interview. Welcome to the podcast, Stacey. I think our audience is going to love you. This is the first of many. Let's just go right to the interview. Welcome, one of my personal favorites and a friend, Alex Brooks, otherwise notoriously known as Passport Cuddy. Well, thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I really appreciate you. I'm so happy to be here. I want to throw it over to you just to introduce yourself and just to share with people, how did you become an influencer? Because today we want to talk about how social media also impacts our kids. And that's why I thought you'd be so great for this because you talk about relationships and you influence on the internet. When I think back to how I started, it was very organic. It, I didn't get on the internet with any sort of objective or anything, but you spoke about connection and that is exactly how it gained traction, right? Because I got online and I was behind this screen and I was saying a whole bunch of things that were in my head, but, you know, because there was that anonymity that I 
didn't know anybody. You know, I was just joining in on the topics and the hashtags. I was saying things that probably people thought in their mind, but just couldn't say in person. And because I was anonymous behind the screen, (laughs) I was saying those things and people were like, oh, wow, I cannot believe she said that. Or I think the same thing, or I feel the same way. Or, you know, so connecting, like you Mm -hmm. were speaking about, is the thing that made people relate to me. But also going back to like the selling, the trust, Mm -hmm. right? Because authenticity, people believe you, they trust you, they value your opinion because they think that you're going to tell the truth and be transparent about it. So that is how you're able to sell things, right? When you connect with people and they trust you. If I say that I like this, you know, gym over that one, or I like this hotel over that one, or I like this brand over that, you know, anything that I say that I like, people trust that I'm going to be honest about it, authentic. So I can sell my stuff. I can sell other people's products. I can can kind of, you know, sell anything at this point because people really do connect with me because of my realness, I guess, you know, and, and truth over the years. Well, I mean, I, I can testify to that. I, we met over the internet. (laughs) I was following you. I was one of your followers (laughs) and you were saying things about relationships that like connected to me. And I was an educator at the time. I was a principal actually, when I started following you and I think for a lot of women who are, not everybody, but I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I was really into my work. And because of that, I wasn't into like my relationships as much. I wasn't into like my relationships with men. I wasn't into my, I I wasn't even feeding the right way my relationships with friends, right? Right. And you would say things that I would either be like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or I'd be like, oh. I never thought about it like that. And I'm always intrigued by people who make me think. And you were one of them. And I can actually say that as a happily married woman, when I was in my early 30s following you, or mid-30s till my mid-40s, some of the things that you talked about in terms of relationships transformed my standards and they transformed my values. And (laughs) my husband would be like, oh, so that's how you found me. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) Thanks to Alex, I hung up on you. I'm kidding. (laughs) I made you fight for me. (laughs) You know, but those are the things that stand out to me. And that's why I really wanted to bring you into this today because you have a high level of values. Like, yes, the title of your book is the M for man stands for money, but you're actually talking to women about standards. You're actually talking to them about generational wealth. You're talking to them about their credit. You're talking to them about important things. The book is a woman's guide on how to handle men and money and dating and relationships, right? But Mm -hmm. the gist of it is really me teaching women how to speak up for themselves. It's not about getting something, Mm -hmm. like especially for nothing. It's about asking for what is already in their head, right? Mm -hmm. They're already thinking about it. They just are too scared to say it. They're too scared to ask for it. They're too scared to feel like they deserve it. They, you know, a lot of people don't feel like they deserve it. And then they'll complain to everybody in the world about it besides the person that they're actually dealing with. Or their boss, right? Because these things are actually applicable. Because I remember you and I once had a conversation where all of this applied to even going to your boss and asking for the raise that you deserve, you know? But when I think about your values, and then I I pivot, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about 
like some of the most pressing issues that educators and parents are seeing right now, it's the impact of social media. They're getting influenced. Now, I don't know that they're getting, I wish they were getting influenced by you, you know, because then they would be like <laughs> thinking about their creating a savings account, you know, and doing different things. But kids are getting influenced by things that as educators, it's really hard. I'm so nervous. I mean, I have a three-year-old. I don't even have a child that is like a mm-hmm. teenager. But when I think about the things that I'm seeing in school, Alex, I can honestly say to you over the past year, especially pre-COVID, every fight, every argument, we can trace it all back to Instagram. To the internet, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's to the, but it, and it's specifically for us, it's Instagram, right? Yeah. And it also falls back, which is why I think that you can really give us some insight the fights are, it all boils down to relationships, right? Absolutely. And it's either girls thinking someone that's, is their friend that's not their friend. It's ghosting someone. It's humiliating someone. It's a friendship either being built or a friendship being destroyed. Even like in my early 20s when Instagram was, you know, the coming. wild west. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing friends air each other out about how this person's house looked or this family member was on drugs or this person's, you know, father left them or, and you're like, they've been friends forever. How in the world are all the secrets being aired out now on the internet for them to tear each other down because they've had an argument with each other? You know, I mean, I can't lie. I've I've done some things on the internet myself, not friendship wise, but (laughs) like, you know, I might've said a post about a boyfriend or something like that in the past, you know, it's our electronic diary, but on a billboard really, like we think that it is, but it's, it's, it's traveling way farther than we really even care to realize. And we're talking about our own behaviors as adults, but Mm -hmm. then you take that back to kids. Right. And when I think about just growing up, I remember being at high school and the first time I saw a fight. Right. And the first time I saw a fight in high school for the rest of my high school experience, I watched my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, because I'm not a fighter. Right. I watched my mouth because I was like, oh, because I come from private school to public school. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you can get beat up. <laughs> oh, oh, now I get it. Okay. And so I was timid, you know? Yeah. I always paid attention. Like, I remember, like, having arguments with friends and going to my mom and my mom saying to me, like, Cece, real friends argue. And if you guys don't disagree, then someone might not be being their authentic self with you. And so prior to the internet, relationships were thousands and thousands of these micro moments where you were trying out friendships and you were learning how to have friendships in person that you ideally could have a disagreement where the relationship wasn't destroyed. And you had to watch your mouth because you could get hit. Now you can still get hit. Kids, obviously they fight, right? But I do think that there's a veil that the internet creates where you can't immediately see the impact of your actions on other people. And so kids are being significantly more cruel than I've ever seen before. I always think about this, that when I was younger, I was with my friends. We were together, you know? The moms were asking each other, oh, can, you know, you 
you got them this weekend or on Saturday, I'll take them on Sunday. We're spending the night at each other's houses, all of that. So I, I don't see a lot of that anymore. I don't know. The crazy thing is I feel like not only are the kids becoming disconnected from each other, the, the parents are too, right? Because the parents are not even being much of a community as I remember when I was younger. I think to myself, even in my building, there were floors of kids. I don't even see kids in my building. There might be kids in this building, right? I don't know. They're probably inside on the house and in the house on the computer. On a device. Right. We had parks. We used to go to the park. You know, like we used to do things with each other that I do not see anymore. And that is scary for me. And I think COVID made it even worse. Because we're seeing more fights now than ever before. Mm -hmm. And we also, we gave out probably a thousand Chromebooks in COVID. We Mm -hmm. provided over like 500 connections to the internet, you know, because kids spent a year in the house. And if you had someone in your house who had a pre-existing condition, then all of a sudden, like it's, it was too risky for you to go outside, you know? And so where did kids go? They went to their devices and they haven't come out of them completely. You know, I do think, I mean, I see kids playing on the playground, but I don't see, when I see teenagers in the mall, you know, I'm in Ohio, right? So it's like, we still have like malls. They're in the mall, but they're on their phones. I mean, just as an adult, I remember going out for a brunch and I forgot my phone and I was sitting there in silence (laughs) and everyone at brunch was in their phone and I didn't have mine, right? (laughs) I'm like, hey, everyone. I'm here. And so when you think about, because you're on the internet and you you have followers that range in ages and something else, just context for our audience is that every morning you do a live session and your followers come in and they bring you whatever topics that they're thinking about or they're talking about. And then you do your cutty calls. When you think about parents and you think about educators, what are the trends that you would tell parents to pay attention to in terms of what's out there right now? Just like trends on social media, what's drawing kids in, where they're being highly influenced? Well, you know, Instagram, TikTok. Oh, I mean, I mean, I feel like Instagram and TikTok are the two top because I don't feel like that many kids, well, I don't know the statistics, but they don't seem like their their platform is really like Twitter and Facebook that much. They like visual stuff. They like videos. They love you know, pictures, things like that. So the visual part of it makes you feel insecure. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel, I'm not going to lie. When I see kids in makeup, I'm like, oh, that's okay now, right? But they see the women all over the internet applying makeup. So now the kids, I mean, we're girls. Of course, we were doing a little this or that. I have red nails right now only because it was Valentine's Day. I could never wear red nail polish when I was a child. I see two-year-olds, six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 14-year-olds with red nail polish on, red lipstick on, makeup on. And then those are their pictures on their page, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I didn't even know that this was acceptable now. You know, I, I had no idea. So those type of things are very surprising to me because especially the whole makeup thing, the the poses, the dances, the language period, you know, even saying period like that, yeah, you know, period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now 
little girls are saying, period, you know, and, and it's, it's becoming very overwhelming. There are many me's already of us. Many me's. And like, so I just want to hit on that because we're seeing it too. We're seeing little girls come in in high heels. We're seeing little girls come in with fake nails. And as, as women and as black women, right? I can honestly say that women in general, and I just, I did some research on this and that girls more than anybody else, we compare ourselves to other people. And then there's this whole trend right now, right? Of the filter. So back in the day, it was like, don't compare yourself to Vogue, right? Because they've been docked up, right? But at least we knew that was a model on a magazine. Now kids are seeing, I will admit, I take a filter and get rid of any bumps on my face. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, let me get rid of this. Let me get rid of this. You know, like when I came on this, I was like, ooh, Zoom has a filter. I didn't want to look like that, right? <laughs> kids are seeing these filtered looks. Like you can change your nose. You can add makeup. And I heard Erica Badu on The Breakfast Club recently, and she they were asking her, like, when do you get depressed? Or how, when, like, when are you feeling this way? And she's like, when I'm scrolling. She was like, I can't help but compare my body to other bodies. And then we're grown women saying we do that. But then we have the little girls who are doing that. But I think something that you hit on that we're talking about is that you said mini me's. And so one of the things that I love about you is how self-reflective you are, right? And you and I have been friends for a decade and we've changed. Like there are things that are the same, but we're also different women than we were 10 years ago when we met. And so like sticking with the little girls for a little while, I don't have a little girl, you know, but what could we say to moms right now who are worried about the self-esteem? Because self-esteem, it plays into your relationships too, right? If I were a girl mom right now, what are the steps that I would want to take to make sure that like my daughter doesn't feel like she fall into that? Yeah. yeah. So even though we are speaking about the internet and what it does, even prior, internet aside, I always think back to when I was a little girl and I joke about this like on live and stuff like that, but I'm not joking. I said, I was never called pretty as a child. I was called smart, right? I was always like, she's so smart. She's so smart. Meanwhile, the other girls who were called pretty or said, oh, she had really cute. She has cute hair or whatever. I remember not being called pretty. So internet or no internet, that is something that you need to start from home, right? Just complimenting your children, period. Giving them some good affirmations, you know, like saying nice things to them because it can go either way, right? Either they can (laughs) (laughs) grow up and that first boy that says, oh, you're cute, you're pretty. Lord knows which way that's going to go, right? If they've never heard it before. Exactly. Don't let somebody on the outside be the first to tell your child something nice about themselves. Or on the internet. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're yeah. stalking. Exactly. That, they can be lured. They can be, you know, um, scammed. Yes. <laughs> It, it everything is not like just about being like chopped up and stuff like that. They could literally hear, "Oh, you're so cute, you're so pretty, you're so you're my girlfriend," blah blah blah, and they go take some money out of their parents' account <laughs> and send to the stranger. It's happening 
every day. I want to hold on to something that you just said, because in Ed Reform, Alex, for the longest time, there was a push that we're not going to tell kids they're pretty. We're not going to tell them this. We're going to tell them they're smart. We're going to tell them this. And I got it, right? And I remember early on, I complimented a little girl, a little black girl's hair. And I was like, oh, your hair looks really nice. And I'll be honest, a white man said to me, like, we don't compliment hair. And I was like, as a black woman, yes, we do. I was like, because I'm going to tell her that she's smart. And I'm also going to tell her that her hair looks nice because our beauty has not been considered the standard. Mm -hmm. We have been consistently told that we don't look the way that is deemed appropriate or beautiful. beautiful, And and it's actually okay. Like you're not going to just go heavy on pretty and not smart. Mm -hmm. But you just said, I was always told, right? Yeah. That I was smart. And the truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is like, Kids are human. Yeah. When they get dressed up nice, they want to hear it. Right. Maybe the word beautiful, I mean, sorry, maybe the word pretty is not the exact word that you might want to use. Maybe you'll say beautiful or cute or whatever. I just knew that physically that was not what I was told. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter what the kid really looks like. Just say it anyway. <laughs> you know, like, and also emphasize like what makes you truly beautiful is exactly. your spirit. It's yeah. who you are, but it's okay to say, oh, I like this today. Yeah. Like, like it's okay for them to hear it. It is okay. Yeah. Whether mm-hmm. it's pretty, beautiful, cool, dope, you know, you're, you know, you're the best, whatever. We're big. One of our techniques, right, is precise praise. And one of the things that we do is that we, my thing is like, be precise in whatever it is, you know? It's, oh, I really like, you know, the way you made your letters fit between the headline and the baseline so well in your writing. Oh, I love the way your beads match the this in your shirt, right? beautiful. It's being really precise, but not being scared to tell kids precise praise in a variety of different categories. Because like you said, you'll end up allowing some man online to be the very first. It it may not be, it could be in person, it could be online, but it creates a deficit that they need. And so when I think about if I were, I mean, I'm 48, so I don't ever remember having more kids, but if, (laughs) if I did and I had a little girl, what what I want her to know. And that is definitely one of them because like the internet's not going away. Right. Yeah. Something else that I always say, and this is a, when we talk about kids, this is a a wide range. You know, you have eight year olds on TikTok and you have 14 year olds on Instagram, you know, like, so I don't always know which age I'm talking about, but kids in general, I always say that for if, especially teens, I would tell teens, like, you do not need to be anything other than yourself for a guy to like you. Because I, I always, I tell adults that now. Yes. Like, yes. On my cutty calls, I tell people, please stop baiting and switching, okay? Even on dating profiles, I have to tell women, stop saying you're all of this stuff <laughs> and you're not. And then he gets you and realizes it. And then you wonder why people ghost, right? Because you said you were all these perfect things. And then even as simple as on a dating profile, if you're boring, please say you're boring. <laughs> not so act boring. like right. you're about to skydive with him tomorrow because you're so spontaneous. You're so funny. You're so, and then when he gets with you, you're like, no, 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 no. You know, that's, 
that's a bait and switch. And if you think about it, it's so hard. Like one of the things that I, I like when I was doing some like just research on this, the true sign of like adulthood is when you are able to consolidate your identities and you know who you are. And when I think about that and I think about kids who are trying out these different personalities online and then they come to school and it hits the road. And so that kind of, I, I do want to talk about your cutty calls, right? Because like I said before, the relationship piece is where I am, I'm torn because I'm, just, I'm not even torn so much as I'm trying to figure out how do we help kids have authentic relationships? So when you think about like your calls, as you just said, like on your calls, you're having to tell, like you would tell a teenager, like be yourself, right? Because you have to tell adults that. What are some of the themes that you see happening with adults that you think can also play out for kids? Because adults are modeling for kids every day. Well, there, there's a couple of things. So one of the biggest things with women when it comes to the relationship issues, like their dating issues, it's about being chosen instead of choosing, right? So that definitely starts from being younger and wanting to be chosen, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be the one that was picked, wanting to be the one that was pretty popular, the one with the nice body or whatever. And it translates because a lot of the times I tell people that, and I joke about this, but it's really, it's serious. We're children in adult bodies because we're still thinking about our high school sweetheart or the boy who broke our heart or who chose another girl over us because she was cuter or had a better body or whatever. And I know that when you get to a certain age, like depending on how you were raised, whether it's even the pressure of like getting married, having a baby, being in a relationship that might come from home, that might come from a religious standpoint, that might come from just your parents being very... Um, your mother or, you know, your family members being projecting their feelings and their values onto you. I don't want to share the specific rhetoric that somebody had told me on a cutty call the other day, but it was very heartbreaking. But basically in a nutshell, she said that she remembers something that a family member said to her when she was 11 or 12 that really messed with her confidence so badly. And as time went on and she grew up and, you know, became a mom and, and dealt with different guys. If it didn't work out, that was the thing that she remembered. You know, she remembered what the family member said to her and it was like, oh, she was right. Oh, it was true. You know, so a lot of the times our own personal insecurities as, as individuals and adults, we push that onto our children. So it's like, oh, a man is not going to like you if you don't do this. A man is not going to want you if you don't do that. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. But sometimes those things are not, that it's just not value with feedback, right? It's, it's all personal. In other words, like it's what adults are modeling in their own adult lives mm -hmm. that gets pushed to kids, you know? And I think that also plays out into what, what we model as adults in terms of our own online behaviors, right? So like, to kind of pivot back to, the social media aspects and how it really impacts kids. One of the things that I've noticed lately in my own house, right? So to your your point about what adults sometimes are doing with kids, when my work life gets hectic, because I have schools in Chicago 
and in Cincinnati, and we're on different time zones, Chicago is still on when Cincinnati's off, right? And so I'm walking in the house and when it's hectic, and in in all honesty, what gets hectic is like fights at dismissal in Chicago because fights at dismissal in Chicago feed into dinner time and everything in Cincinnati. And so I walk into the house and I'm on my phone. I walk into the house and I'm texting. I walk into the house and I'm responding to email. Like my phone is my mini computer, right? And I'm legitimately working. But Houston, up until just like the past couple of months, he had no interest in my phone at all, right? Because he doesn't do an iPad. He, he, we give him like a little bit of TV, you know, but we, we try to watch TV with him as opposed to it being, as opposed to TV being a babysitter. But because I'm on my phone during a time when he wants mommy's attention. Now he's like, well, what's the phone? And so now he's trying to like touch my phone and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm just, I'm thinking back to this article that I read how when you come in the house, don't be on the phone. And it's easier said than done, right? I know not to be on the phone when I come in the house, but I can't tell you how many times it happens, right? Yeah. You know, one thing I did notice, a lot of parents say this to me, right? Mm-hmm. especially being that we're on the phone. Uh, right. yeah. They say this kid was not making this much noise and not begging for my attention until I got on the phone with you. And I hear it from friends. I hear it from people on the calls all the time. The kids are tired of their parents <laughs> being on the phone. That phone is like, you are not paying attention to me. And the funniest thing now is that if I even call a friend, and their kid has the phone, they will decline <laughs> because they will be like, nope, you're not talking to my mom. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to pay me any attention if she I let you that. see that. Yes. <laughs> if that. I let her see that you're calling, that means the attention is taken off of me. Even if I'm not paying you any attention, no, you're going to be on the phone with her. You're going to be telling me to be quiet. You're going to tell me to get out of your way. And something else that happened a long time ago, but I'll never forget it because my friend was on the phone with me, like crying probably for like two, three hours over a guy. And she has two, three kids and they kept on coming in. Mommy, mommy, mommy. She's pushing them away. Like, go, I'm talking. I'm talking. Go outside. Go outside. Talk. I'm, I'm talking. Get out of here. And, you know, I let her vent for like about, you know, the two, three hours. And I said to her, I said, let that be the last time. I said, I'm, I listen because I know you're like really stressed out over what's happening. But let that be the last time that you shun them away to cry over somebody who's running around with somebody else. Because, well, first of all, kids know what's going on. I remember back when I was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, I remember thinking the thoughts that were in my head about what I saw my parents doing or not doing. And one of the times that my friend, she pulled up to her mom's house and her kids went inside and their grandmother was like, where's your mom? And one of the kids said, probably in the car crying over daddy. And she called me back and she said, let me tell you what my mom just told me that my kids said, you know? And it was just like, you don't think that they even know what is going on, you know, but they do. I I can't agree with you more. They absolutely do. Right. And when I think about it, because what we're seeing in school, it's a breakdown of relationships. And if we're not active with our kids in person, then we're not even teaching them how to be active with other people in person. And if we're not fostering positive relationships 
for them and we're not showing them how to navigate difficult times, then add social media into that and relationships and it's going to fall apart. And it reminds me of something my old boss said to me, who's actually a part of this podcast. His name is Doug Lamov. And he was my boss. I was a principal. And remember we had like our first argument and we got through it. And he was like, you know what? The testimony to a good relationship is how you fight. It's not how you are when you when you get along. And I definitely take that into my relationship with my husband in front of Houston. Because like you said, when I think back to my own childhood, I actually didn't see my parents argue that much. Because my mom, you know, she's super Leo. She's not really arguing with anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like behind the scenes, I knew when there was discontent, right? And I had to learn on my own how to have a voice and how to put, and I had to really learn because my dad on the other hand was very, another Leo, very boisterous, right? And so I think I modeled him in the beginning. I was aggressive when it came to getting my opinion out, right? And I had to learn, especially like through my job, how to disagree with someone without it being an atomic bomb. Like something else my boss always said to me is like, save the atomic bomb for the atomic bomb situation, right? Like don't drop an atomic bomb when it's it's not that. And when I, we see kids, the one thing that social media does is it kids drop atomic bombs. Like, so we had a situation just recently where two girls were like mad at each other. And the kid admitted, like, I decided I wanted to humiliate her. Like, whoa. And the way that she humiliated her was just like leak a video of something that was embarrassing, you know? And we had to like sit down and we had to have a conversation about that. And one thing I have to say is I'm so glad. I mean, I'm really old. I'm older. I'm older than Alex, by the way. Alex and I are like different generations. She's a millennial. I'm a generation X, just to like give you an idea. Like, so when she talks about her childhood and my childhood, her childhood probably had the internet in it. Mine did not, right? <laughs> like, I was in college and there was no internet. You see what I'm saying? Like I came home from college and my dad is who introduced me to the internet. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that the internet didn't exist when I was that age. Because it would have been so easy, right, to be a mean girl. It would have been so easy to humiliate someone. And when I heard a little girl say, like, I was mad about this. And she wasn't mad about something, Alex, that required her to like humiliate. Just like you said, when you were in your 20s, you looked on the internet and people were airing out things, right? That was like, you guys were friends. The internet, I feel like makes it easier. And here's a perfect example of something that happened to me like in college or at the very end of college. And I'm so glad the internet didn't exist, right? <laughs> so, and, and you you know my personality. So you're gonna, you're gonna totally get this. So I had like a, a roommate in college, like my senior year of college. And we were cool, but we were more like, friends of friends, right? And we just ended up living together. And there were like, you know, girls have spats. Let's just name it. Girls have spats. Guys have spats. Sometimes it seems like they don't have spats the way we do. I don't know. I don't, you know, like I know the gender is like very fluid right now and all that stuff. Those who identify as girls tend to have spats here and there. And she was my friend, but she wasn't as close as like my other friends, you know? And she was also very popular. I wasn't the super popular person. I was friends with popular people, but you know me, I'm a loner. So it's kind of, I do my own thing. And so when we graduated from college, I got a letter from my roommate and it was like a four page letter, 
right? Telling me like, you know, I tried to be your friend and the people who you thought were your friends were not your friends and da da da. Now you know me, right? What do you think I did with that four page letter? Threw it away. There you go. You know me. <laughs> you know me. I was like, oh well. <laughs> but had social media existed, I may have taken pictures Post of it. it. I may have posted it. I may have done things that I didn't do because it was a it was a letter. Like it was like handwritten. You know what I mean? Like when's the last time you got a handwritten letter? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and I see I, I see her now, like every now and then, you know, in Hampton reunion. Shout out Hampton HIU. But I didn't. And so even though there was some friction. And when I saw her later on in life, which I did, we may not ever be best friends, but I never felt a need to humiliate her. And there were times then, like, I remember my freshman year, I had a roommate who was from high school with me, and I guess I wasn't being a good friend, you know, and it happens, right? And all the girls in on my hallway sat me down, right? And they all, oh yeah, they're like, you have been a bad friend and da, 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 da. And I remember I was crying, right? I was crying and like someone could have videotaped that. Like that's the type of stuff. But in retrospect, I'm like, whatever. But here's the thing. I still, even though I didn't completely agree with everything they were talking about, they still staged what they felt was a friendship intervention. And they still sat me down and they still forced me to understand how my actions were impacting a girl who had been my friend all through high school in college. And that's what I'm not seeing. I'm seeing group chats where it's like, it's not the same. You know how like a lot is lost in translation, tone right. and all that stuff? Right, of course. I'm, I'm seeing like the group chats. I'm seeing people calling each other out. I'm seeing kids straight going to like humiliation. A lot of my calls actually are about friendship drama. People from the internet know me to be nice. They know me to be level-headed, nice, a sweet person. They have not seen me on the internet chewing somebody out, airing somebody out, cursing somebody out. They have not seen you that. You don't do that. Even if people come through you, you don't come back. Right. I do not do that. So, and I pride myself on not doing yeah, it because you don't do I that. see other women do it. And I'm like, it gives me anxiety. I'm like, ah, you know, like. And our kids are seeing it, right? right. Our kids are seeing adults come for yeah. people on the internet in a way. Right. And then we act surprised when they do it at school. Exactly. So I don't do that. And if anything, I encourage and I uh, support new friendships, which a lot of people don't do because I'm that girl. Like I make friendship posts for them to find each other in the comments. I pride myself on this so much when people send me uh, pictures in the DM. Hey, we met in your post. Hey, we met at your event. Hey, we met in your live. Hey, I'm like, thank you goodness. Right. Because a lot of the calls that I get are about friendship issues that are not that serious. Right. But mm-hmm. somehow, even as adults, they can't figure out how to just let it go, make it, fix it, patch it up. And the ego is very crazy. It gets bruised very easily. It's very fragile. It's so inflated. It's just, it's it's the thing that really makes relationships hard when you're trying to 
not be the vulnerable one, always be the bigger person. I'm tired of being a bigger person, but I'm like- And that's even harder for kids. Mm -hmm. Like it's harder for adults. One of the things that you do that it's giving me an idea, something that we should probably do for our kids is create opportunities for them to have friendships, right? Create opportunities. Like you just did a Valentine's Day thing where your followers got a chance to meet up with you and have dinner, right? But I made sure- that they had to come alone. Ah. They could not buy two tickets. So they, they had, to, had come to come alone for that reason. So they couldn't come with a buddy. No. Because then they would just talk to each other. Exactly. And I made it like that on purpose. With that in mind, I said, if everybody comes alone, everybody's going to be in the same boat. They're going to all be vulnerable. They're going to all either be in this together trying to make friends or just sitting there doing nothing. And it went perfectly because nobody felt like anybody's clicking up. Everybody was there ready to be inviting and receptive and nice. And they have exchanged Instagrams, exchanged numbers, hanging out, talking to each other online. And women now want to make friends. They want better relationships. And so do kids. Like they don't know it, but like, so what you're saying is something that a parent or an educator could easily do either in your neighborhood, your community, your church, right? If you're a parent or if you're a teacher or a school leader, create opportunities for kids where they don't show up with a buddy, right? Where you have like a special lunch, where if you're interested in meeting new people, you come alone, right? Because I I do think that all those micro moments that we talk about where you are getting an opportunity to try out friendships, try out being vulnerable, it's almost like on one hand, you would think the internet would make us more connected, but it actually disconnects us in ways so much more. And it's like, we have to figure out ways to recreate opportunities for children and teenagers to connect in an authentic fashion so that they can then have multiple, and what we call them, at-bats. You go up to bat and you're just swinging and you're swinging till you hit the ball. Kids need an opportunity for multiple at-bats at friendship. But that that comes from adults because they're kids, right? So they don't know how important that is until they're our age. And, and one thing I always joke about when I tell people that they should make new friends, because, you know, Drake has made it so no new friends, no new friends. <laughs> no new friends, friends, right? Yeah, so everybody's <laughs> listening to him. I'm like, don't listen to Drake. Okay, don't listen to him. Right, we want <laughs> new friends. The no new friends thing is counterproductive because number one, the number one benefit of being able to make new friends is that you get to choose them, right? Yes. Because when you Unlike are your young as a child, <laughs> you you are probably friends with your mom's friends' kids, the kids from your building, your block, your babysitter, or your school. And you don't really know how you're selecting these friends. Sometimes you just become friends with people because they are there. And then you grow older and you realize, you, you know, your personalities are going all different directions, but you have that loyalty to each other because you've been friends since six or two or birth. And then now I honestly say to myself as an adult, if I met her now, I probably wouldn't have chosen her. And so that's why what you're saying is like, as adults, we have to create opportunity for kids so that they actually are becoming friends. And it's not just because of who they're around. And it's not just because of that's who's in their building. Because Mm -hmm. at school, when I think back to school, I know who my friends were, but they're actually like, when I go back to reunions, there's tons of people that I'm like, 
God, I wish I would have spent more time talking to you. You're actually so interesting. And so we got to create the space. We have to delicately create the space for kids to make friendships, to try out friendships and to make mistakes, you know? So that way when they get online, they're not as cruel because when they get online, sometimes not for every kid, but sometimes a level of cruelty comes into place that it's like, you got to recognize how this is impacting people and trying to get them to talk more and have more interaction. Yeah. So when you say to a child, Oh, who's your friends? You can ask them like, Oh, why do you like her? Why do you like him? Why, why are you guys friends? Like, what, what do you like about this person? My little brother had a situation. He's 10 and a boy came over and he had a PlayStation. <laughs> so his game was missing when it was time for him to go home. There was a whole bunch of kids. And, you know, the kids are like, the, the parents are like, listen, when you find the game, bring it down. But, you know, bring it down the block. But he's like, no, I need to, I need my game, <laughs> right? But the parents never thought that, like, somebody stole it or it was, you know, never going to pop up. So they're like, you'll get it later. That little boy starts texting my little brother, cursing him out. They're 10. To cursing him out, telling him, you stole my game. Listen, my mother, and the only reason why they knew is because the messages was going to my stepdad's iPad in addition to my little brother's phone because it's the same iCloud. So my stepdad is seeing his iPad go off with all of this (laughs) explicit language. And he's like, what the? And then he looks and he realizes who it is. And he's mad about the game. And he's telling my little brother, I don't want to be your friend anymore, and all of this stuff. And my little brother is like, I got other friends. It's fine. I didn't steal your game. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll we'll find it. But the little boy was angry. So now my mother doesn't like the little boy, right? She's like, yeah, she's like, he's a bad influence. Yeah, exactly. He, curses, he types, it curses well, she, too much. She doesn't like him. But my stepfather was like, listen. It doesn't make any sense for you to get too invested because they're going to be friends in two seconds. (laughs) So I really don't understand. But my mother, and actually now that we're having this conversation, what she said was, I don't want him to be friends with people who talk to him like that, Mm. you know? And I don't think my brother, you know, he's 10. He probably doesn't realize it right now. But it made sense now because I don't know what that's going to look like later on for this kid. Like, I don't know what he's going to turn into, but- If this is foreshadowing, then my mother was right, right? Like she does not want him to be friends with a kid who curses him out. Literally, this is taking me to something that I do with my three-year-old right now, right? We talk about what it means to be a good friend. We talk about what it means for him, even in three-year-old terms and in three-year-old measurable things, what it means to be a good friend and for him to find good friends. And we're like, good friends, he's three. So it's like, good friends share, Houston. Right, like, okay. And like, yeah. they're, they're, he, he's been in situations with kids who he like really wants to be around. And I'm like, the last time you were around them, how did they treat you? Mm-hmm. So you're like asking kids, like, why do you like that person? That's also about confidence. It's about standards. And then if you think this person is worthwhile, then you have to go back and say, hey, when we're together, we need to share. Now he's three. He's not going to say that. But yeah, don't curse at me. Like, we don't curse, you know, at my house. Like, I won't curse at you. You don't curse at me. One thing my parents did, like, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was not. But one thing they always did is they always gave me a comeback, right? They're like, you go tell her this. And sometimes it was negative, right? And I'd be like, and I remind my mom now things that she told me to say to other kids. And she's like, embarrassed. But sometimes she was like, you go ask them, why did they say that to you? 
You go, you tell them how that made you feel. Mm -hmm. If they don't care, then you know they're not worthy of being a friend, right? And so we do have to teach our kids what it means to be a good friend. And they got to ask themselves like, hey, am I those things? Right. Am I a good friend? Right. Because it starts with us. So we've had like such a robust conversation about relationships and, and like there's so many common themes, right? Where adults do one thing and that's what kids are seeing. You made an excellent point. Like when we don't think they're looking, they're looking and it's our habits, right? On social media, it's our habits in relationships. It's, it's our habits in what we're satisfied with. It's our standards that are actually determining what kids are doing in social media and in just on an everyday basis right? Because it's not all social media's fault. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of different things. But when you think about music, and this is this is one of those things where music has been influential since the beginning of time, right? Like there's never been a moment that music didn't influence. When I was in college, my sophomore year, that's when Snoop Dogg, like, endo, sipping on gin and juice, lay back, right? And I was ready. I was like, Mm, and then I realized, and then I tasted gin and was like, I hate it. Uh, I can't be down. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't drink liquor. I, <laughs> I found out I didn't like liquor because I was determined to have some gin and juice because a Snoop Dogg right. song. That is not his fault. I did not start drinking <laughs> because of Snoop. Snoop, don't come for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was already drinking beer out of high school. I will admit that, right? But. I just think back to songs. Like I was also like in high school, I was really into Jimi Hendrix. Well, we all know he overdosed, you know, on drugs. And so it's always been there, but now it's different. And as an influencer, as someone that is seeing these trends, what are the differences and why? I know I'm putting like the whole theory of the world on your shoulders, but like what's different? One of the biggest things that I see is a difference from then and now is that the music went from talking about, you know, being a drug dealer to being a drug user. Especially hip-hop. Yeah, especially. And not only are they talking about now about using drugs way more um, casually. And hard drugs. Like, Snoop was talking about weed. like Right. But you see them as successful, though. Yeah. Right? So they are millionaires, they are fly. They are on jets. They have jewelry. They have money. They have cars. They have all this stuff. And they are doing these drugs. So these drugs must be either okay or help them get to this place. Right. Which even as an adult, I have friends who are like, hey, if you want to finish that book faster, take this drug. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know? Great. You don't do drugs. That is absolute no. Like, uh-uh, we don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie as if it never crossed my mind. Oh, I could get the book done in a, in a, in two days, <laughs> you know, like, but I just, I have to say to myself, no. And that's me being a whole grown adult. So mm-hmm. seeing people come out with albums about drugs, songs mm-hmm. about drugs and talk interviews about drugs. But it's not only about like drugs and whether they sell it or use it, but it's also sexual stuff, mm-hmm. things about men, money, prostitution, <laughs> you know, violence. I'm going to smack this person. I'm going to yeah. kill this person. I'm going to shoot like all of that stuff, you know? So all of it, all of it is really influential with children. And I mean, I don't know how parents are supposed to 
curtail it because the music is now on the internet. Like before, when we were young, you had to either get the CD or the yeah. tape. <laughs> you know, like you have to have money to go buy it to listen. To now it. it's free. Now right. it's free. Now it's it's there, and it's on YouTube. It's on. TikTok, it's on Instagram, it's it's everywhere. So I really don't know how to tame it, but I think it is really important for you to at least counter it with like, listen, this is actually not cool, you know, or I don't know if you at least sometimes I feel like if you say something about it and let people realize or know that you think that it's that you don't condone it or you don't think that it's good, then possibly a kid could be like, oh, they were rapping about that. But, you know, at home, my mom was like, or my dad was like, that's that's whack. You know, that's that's not cool. It's heartbreaking for me because I don't know how you get them to, like, not be so exposed to it. You can't. Yeah. It's not going away. And they have access to it. And unless you're trying to raise a hermit crab... Right. Your kid is going to, I remember once driving down the street and I had accidentally left like an MC Hammer. MC Hammer was really easy to like listen to, right? I left the MC Hammer CD in the car and my dad was like, what is this trash? And he threw it out the window, right? (laughs) He was just like, this is bullshit. He threw the MC Hammer disc out the window and it's like, he made his opinion like perfectly clear. And I remember listening to like, boys in the hood, always hard. My dad was like, the boys in the hood? You like some boys in the hood? I'm from the hood. You gonna stay out the hood? You gonna do no hood up in here? But to, to your point, though. Exactly. To your point. So like, I remember once I had like this boyfriend in high school, and he came by the house, and his car had hydraulics, right? And that's what was in the music, like the cars yeah. with the hydraulics yeah. and the videos, yeah. right? And he pulled up, and he came to the door, and he had like a necklace that had like a Uzi gun, right? And my dad looked at him. My dad slammed the door in his face. Like, I know. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for parents to be that strict or, you know, because I mean, I didn't like try to find him again because I was, Mm -hmm. I knew my dad didn't play those games, but you weren't able to go with him. No, my dad slammed the door in his face. I didn't even get a chance to talk to him. OC did not play those games. And he was like, what school did he? And my dad said to me, what school does he go to? And I was like, daddy, he goes to Woodward your alma mater. He was like, I send you to Walnut Hills for a reason. You're supposed to come home with Walnut Hills boys. You're supposed to come home with no... And like, you know, pops <laughs> all the boys from Woodward. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't pull up to girls' houses with the hydraulics yeah. and Uzi chains. And you might get in... My dad was like, the, like before Cosby, he was like the original... I mean, I guess that's kind of faux pas. Like, oh God, I don't think Cosby <laughs> Before the allegations, Cosby dad. Yeah. But to your point, it's there. You're yeah. not going to keep them away from it. And then like, I have a friend and we just talked about recently like the music and she saw her daughter going through like a series of depression. And so she wanted to talk to me about it. And she's like, and I'm not trying to blame it on the music. She was like, but all she listens to is Ex Extension and Juice World, both of whom are dead. May they rest in peace. And then someone else told me that their third grader was like, ah, make me a playlist of that depressing music. And they were asking for Existencian and Juice World. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my husband's a DJ. So, you know, we hear like all types of music and we're from different generations as well. And so I remember hearing a Juice World song and being like, oh my God, he's whining. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you know, we whining to us was like key sweat, right? It wasn't yeah. like what he was doing. And mm-hmm. now maybe the music is an inspiration. Like I'm, I'm not in yeah. their heads. It could be what's getting them mm-hmm. through, but. But the thing about it is now that I'm thinking about it, if maybe, and this is just me really, really processing it right now, what is in the music is real. It is. Right. Yes. It's not fake. It's they not are fake. Going through Art this, imitates life. they are having these feelings. They mm-hmm. are speaking about their life experiences and all of that. So, I guess as adults or parents, we have to pay attention to these cries that are that people are doing through music, right? Yeah, and really get to it sooner. Because what happens is, I, I joke about this, but it's not a joke. I always say. Try to figure out the moments that they're going to be in therapy for, right? Mm. When, like now, when they're young, you know, whether it's they are not seeing their father, you are always at work. They're not seeing you. You guys are not doing anything. You are treating this sibling better than that sibling. You're beating them. You're cursing at them. You're, you're not spending, you're not going to their basketball games. You're whatever it is. Care about those things. Now, what are you in therapy for? Right. What are you, what do you cry over? Which songs do you relate to that? You're like, Oh, this, this reminds me of when I was a kid or I had this same life experience. So try to get to it sooner, right? Because when you wait until they're grown and then they come back and tell you what a horrible parent you are. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, that is so, that is so real. And what I'm hearing you actually say is we got to listen. Mm-hmm. If that's the song, if your kid is asking for the depression playlist, then we got to listen to the playlist. Yeah. We got to hear we got we to gotta know the words, too. Well, and, what, and they, what are they relating to? What are they relating to? Yeah. Can I tell you something? The biggest mistake I ever made in oversharing with my father was writing my own song, right? And then belting my heart out and singing the song to him. And he was like, that dude's putting you through that, right? And I was like, ah! <laughs> like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> like, no, he's he was going to listen to the words. And the thing is, he listened to like every word of the song. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> he, he didn't give me a single solitary compliment on how well <laughs> my song was written. He zeroed <laughs> in on what I was talking about and exactly. was like, I didn't raise you to cry over. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, but I thought what? I had written a hit song. I thought I was going to be a hit songwriter. Uh, needless mm-hmm. to say, that didn't happen. I'm an educator. Yeah. I, I write rhymes <laughs> for kids, but just kidding. But <laughs> you're right about we got to listen. So if your kid is listening to depressing music, then mm-hmm. you need to turn on that music as much as you may hate it, right? Mm-hmm. You got to turn it on. And then when you talk about the violence, right? Like you mm-hmm. got the pop smokes, Take Off, the litany of Chicago rappers, the drill music. We just recently had a situation where we had to basically call the police because we feared gang violence at the school. And it was all about a song that a little boy wrote. And it all went back to a lot of times in drill music, they're talking about the dead, right? And people then Mm -hmm. put themselves in a situation to get killed defending the dead. Yeah. And It just keeps happening. Yeah. What I would say about when it comes to like songs about violence or sexual things or this or that, instead of saying, turn it off, don't listen to that. Yeah. It's up to you now to 
come with like a process for them, right? And mm-hmm. say something to them at home about how you problem solve, how you diffuse things. So like, let's say, for example, this song is talking about killing, shooting, stabbing, this, that, whatever, all of that stuff. And you hear it and you're like, what? Instead of saying, turn that off. Are you crazy? You know, you say, well, let me, come here. Let me, let me tell you something. This way of handling things is absolutely horrible. I'm going to tell you the better way. I'm going to tell you, I want you to take this with you. You see, you know, this happening, you do this, 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 and this, you know, give them the tools so that they know, because they're still children. We're talking about children. So they talking about do children. not have the answers. Yeah, They do not know. If we're the ones who know, we're supposed to give them the tools so that they know how to handle a situation. If they're about to get bullied, if they're, you know, if they're, if they're getting bullied by somebody, if they're getting cursed out by somebody, if they're getting approached by somebody, tell them what you would prefer them to do, whether it's walk away, tell somebody, apologize, whatever you would prefer for them to do, give them those tools before they get in the situation. Because who knows if, if not, they might just go with what they've heard or what they think they're supposed to do because they don't want to look like a punk and still in them. There's no such thing as looking like a punk. If you walk away or if you right, try to talk it out, like that makes you a bigger person. Let them know that people will say these things about you, but prepare them for it. If you're at home and you've already heard from your parents say, listen, they're going to call you a punk. They're going to call you whack. They're going to call you this. They're going to call you that. Don't worry about that. Blah, 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 blah. So now when it happens, you're already prepared. Oh, they already said that they were going to say that. You know, they already said, I already knew that they were going to, that that's what they were going to say about me. I already, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's fine. And I think the hard part that people have to do is like you said, it's the process and it's creating the process in your house because it's never going to be taken care of in a one-off conversation. It's going to be what you talk about in the morning. If you take your kids to school, it's what you talk about yeah. in the car, right? Yes. If you don't take your yes. kids to school, it's what you talk about at breakfast. It's on the weekends. If you're having lunch together, it's if you're having dinner together and create the space, have dinner together. Open the space up, even for your smallest kids, right? To talk about what their day was like. Navaris and I will be having dinner and rapid conversation. Houston's an only child. And there are times where he just starts like making noises and we're like, oh, you want to talk to? Let us create a, like mm-hmm. a window for you. Tell us how you're feeling. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. we'll ask him about like his day because they, yeah. kids actually want to talk. So this just kind of leads me to, you actually took us in the direction that I really wanted us to go in, which is ultimately what can parents do knowing that all the things we talked about today, we talked about social media, we talked about Instagram, we talked about TikTok, we talked about how you build relationships and comparing that to adults and and what adults do. We talked about music, right? And now it's like, what can parents do? And and educators, and, and it sounds like a lot of that we've talked about is it starts with looking at yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it it feels like it's, what are you modeling? I look at it at this point now, like a curriculum for parenting, Mm -hmm. right? Because, or just being the adult, like the Mm -hmm. adult curriculum for how to help these children navigate through the world. That should be your next book. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, just even being somebody who is so pro-therapy and like has to come up with strategies to help people get over certain things, whether it's 
rejection or heartbreak or apologizing or, you know, let surrendering, letting go, whatever. It's not a bad idea to take a moment to like kind of itemize the things that are important to you for your child to the virtues and the Mm. and the, the traits that you think are important for, you know, a child to have going through life. It's almost like creating your own self-help curriculum for your child so that you can kind of stay within those guidelines and figure out how you're going to implement that daily, like we were talking about, right? So like you said, when we're in the car, you know, I was just talking to my friend on the phone. She said that she already had it instilled in her son that when he gets in the car, he has flashcards in the back seat. He has all of these like educational things before he could even dare ask for the phone to like watch YouTube or play, you know, listen to the music. So he knows he gets in the car and even if it is, you know, do the flashcards or whatever it is that she had back there, but it was something that he just knew, you know, that was, that was their thing. She instilled it in him. Like it really is up to us to instill. And I think the important thing is to realize that we are part of this. Like it's not them doing it on themselves, like on their own. We are the facilitator of all of it. So we have to be proactive. We have to be present. We have to be engaged. And if you really care, and if, you know, this is important to you, this is your role. This is your duty. You can't just leave it up to everybody else because everybody else is doing their job, right? Like, and their job is to influence (laughs) in whatever way. Yeah. Like that rapper is trying to make a hit record. He's not worried about your kid. Don't you think that he is? He's trying to get a hit. They're doing whatever their job is. So now you got to do what your job is. And if your job... Think about it. Like, I like yeah. that you said a curriculum, right? Like, yeah. if you know, and I, this is really big for me right now. I'm like, you're so right. I'm about to write my own curriculum. Because like, he's three. And I already know that he's going to get bullied. I already know there's like he's going to get tempted by all these different things. And it's like, what am I going to say? And how am I going to instill our values? But Navars and I, we know what our values are. That is some of the counseling that we did together you know, pre-marriage mm-hmm. counseling, but like if you haven't right. done that, or if you're not with the father mm-hmm. of your job, the ex-husband or a mm-hmm. boyfriend or whatever, yeah. you still got to come together and literally write out, these are our values. When are we going to hit on them on a mm-hmm. daily basis? Because it takes repetition, right? Like right. it's not going to be that one-off conversation. And it's almost like creating your own toolkit as a parent. So you are creating a toolkit for your child so that they reach back. Like some of the things that I reach back to are the things that my mom, and I'm not saying that other people should do this, but like, I can't tell you how many times my mom said to me, whoever told you life is fair, mm-hmm. right? Whoever told you life is fair. And now yeah. what are you going to do? And how are yeah. we going to fix it? My parents made me problem solve the solution. But if your value is integrity, that's mm-hmm. a value for us. And so the minute Houston does something, and because he's already, he's three and he's already, I'm like, did daddy say you could do that? He's like, yes, he did. <laughs> I'm like, when I go ask daddy, what's he going to say? And he's like, you're going to say no. And I mean, people might think this is harsh, but I'm like, you lied. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, that's called a lie. I'm very, I'm very, I'm the strict one. I, I, amazingly enough, I'm not the fun parent. So I'm like, you told a lie. That's called a lie. Right. And I'm like, we do not lie in this house. And whenever I ask him something that I know he's not telling the truth about, I'm like, now I say, did you wash your hands? He'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, give me your hands. He'd be like, I didn't wash them. I'm like, see, conscious. But I I like what you're saying because as parents, we know what we went through. Mm -hmm. We know how we were impacted. 
Right. Right. We know how we were impacted mm-hmm. by music. We know how we were impacted by our parents' relationships. Mm-hmm. So we got to think about how we interact in our relationships. But also, you, there's a there's an infinite amount of things that you need yeah. to install. They don't even have enough memory in their body. Right. Like they're at a 16 gig right now. Okay, mm-hmm. they're not at 256 gigs like we are yet. So there's only but so much you're going to be able to install on there. But as it comes to you, you know, the things that are important to you, the things that, you know, and I, and I always say, especially about parenting is that it could go either way. Your trauma Mm -hmm. causes you to either be a better parent or the same parent, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can either try to overcompensate so much for your own memories and 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 deeply rooted issues so that your child doesn't have to go through it or it's so normal to you that you, you just keep doing it they wind up going through the same thing but for the people who i say overcompensate even that is case specific right because for some people it's oh i never had decent clothes growing up so now my kid has to have the best of everything or oh we had the best of everything when we were young. So I have to do the same thing, you know? Oh, we never had food. So my refrigerator has to be socked. Oh, we never had food. So now, you know, I, Hey, I survived, you know, like go eat some, you know, go eat some bread, whatever. It, it, it all depends, but it's so case specific. The things that matter to you as a parent, especially based on your own personal experiences, because sometimes family's big for people. Sometimes, you know, relationships are big for people. Sometimes honesty, loyalty, cleanliness, whatever it is, it's up to you to, when you figure out what those things are for you, you could write them down, you can put them in your notes, whatever, but that is your curriculum. It will grow as time goes on. You will add to the list and some stuff you move on. It's like, we're not learning the same math in third grade that we're learning in seventh grade, right? Right. Yeah. But you got to create the space for kids to share. You got to put your phone away. You got to model for kids. You know, you got to recognize that they're always watching you and you you are their greatest teacher. Mm -hmm. If you're an Mm -hmm. educator, you got to model for kids. If you're an educator, you got to create the space for kids to have authentic friendships. One of the things that we just did recently was that we've created breakfast conversation topics and lunch conversation topics. Because when we started seeing fights happen at lunch, I think the instinct is to be like, we're going to have silent lunch. No, we're going to teach you how to have a good conversation over a meal, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to give you a topic so that you're not just discussing people, that you're discussing Mm -hmm. ideas, you know, and you're learning mm-hmm. how to share the space. You're learning mm-hmm. how to build in a conversation that mm-hmm. is fruitful. That's just one small thing that yeah. we've been trying to do, but it's creating the space because we're not going to get rid of the internet. We're not going to get rid of social media. We're not going to get rid of outside influences. So educators and parents have to be the influencers. And, and to do that, you got to know what you're going to talk about. You got to know what your values are and you got to create the space for kids. So I really think that, like you said, the internet's not going anywhere. The music is not going anywhere. The influencers are not going anywhere. It's only getting bigger and we're, we're experiencing even more platforms and we won't be able to control it. But it's really up to us to be able to be present in our children's lives. Even if you don't have children, you still influence children, right? And there's different ways 
whoever is in your family, whether it's your niece, your nephews, whatever, little brothers, just whatever kids, be that role model and influence in a good way. Introduce new things to you know the children. Even if it is, make sure you drag them out of the house, take them to places that have other children in person. And we have to participate. It's not for them to come up with the the grand ideas. It's for us. We have to come up with the bright ideas about how to make sure that we are still in the running for the influence, you know, like (laughs) we're campaigning as well. So be the influencer. Yes. We we're all we technically we are all influencers, right? And and we got to remember, some influencers influence the tangible outcomes. Be the influencer in your child's life that gets the outcomes. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Alex, for being with us. I could talk to you for hours and hours, which (laughs) we've already done already throughout our friendship. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to even think about this with us today. So thank you. Thank you.